So um, I want to just start off by saying that the reason this is called arising is, um, oh, my honey's here. Honey, can you just wave? That's Pastor Derek. My handsome hunk of a husband. Um, so arising is named arising because um, it's, it's, a, it's not arise like, okay, we're going to just arise right now. Arising is, I'm kind of a grammar teacher at heart, so it's the future perfect tense of a, a verb, and it means it's a constant state. We should always be arising. So no matter what phase you're in of life, we're sh we should always be arising to the next level, to the next thing. So that's why it's called arising. So we want to welcome you to Arising 2019, and it's going to be awesome because um, I've experienced all the things that I'm going to tell you today. Because <laughs> when you, when, as a pastor, when you start to speak about something, no matter what it's about, you're usually going to get kind of attacked in that area or you're going to get tested in that area. So like if you're preaching on um, finances, you're going to get attacked on your finances. If you're preaching on marriage, every marriage retreat that we've ever done, it's like right before we're ready to kill each other, you know. <laughs> um, you speak on healing and you, you know, get attacked in your health. So, um, and I'm, I'm healed in Jesus' name, so I'm sorry if it's a little nasally. I do know it's kind of annoying to, to hear, but whatever. It's all you got today right now. Um, but so next year, what I decided is that I am going to speak on rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. Because whether there is a plethora of them or scarcity of them, it's not going to affect my life, okay? <laughs> so, but I want to say this too, is that God has given me this Embrace the Climb as a, as a um, theme this year. Because he, I, in January, I start um, praying about, we have a 21 days of prayer and fasting at our church. And I start praying about the vision for the year and what he wants me, for a rise, what, what he wants me to speak on for Arising in particular. So this has been 10 months in the making. You know, so I literally feel like I'm going to give birth today. I'm so excited. And it's one of those things where you're so excited. And it's like, is this day here yet already? Come on. You know, how many of you have had a baby? <laughs> Remember that day? It's like, I just want it to be done. So today I'm ready to give birth. Thank you, Maddie, so much. I'm ready to give birth today. And um, I, I want to tell you our first, our, our theme text is Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1, 5, and 11. That's the whole thing for today. And Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, There is a time and a season for every purpose and every activity under heaven. And then verse 5 says, There's a time to embrace and a time to not embrace or a time to let go. And we're going to talk about some of those things this morning and all throughout the day of the struggles that you might face, uh, the difficulties you might face, and it all has to do with like a mountain that you're climbing. We're all in different phases of climbing different levels of mountains, right? And so I felt like when the Lord showed me this um, back in January, he, kind of, he didn't give me the one whole fell swoop all at once, but he gave me, I, I just knew I was going to be talking about um, embracing the climb and embracing difficulties in your life and what God's doing through them. Well, at the time, it was fine. I was like, ah, oh, that's good. And then throughout the year, I'm like, okay, I don't think I want to preach on this anymore because I was having plenty of opportunity, you know, to really embrace what I was going to preach. But so I'm standing here today saying, I believe what I'm going to preach to you more now than ever. And so I am, I am um, adamant that this is, this is going to help you today. And I want to start out by talking about some mountains in my life that I faced and um, I, I, literal, literal mountains, like when I was a little girl in my neighborhood back in Alabama, that's where I'm from, you can't tell the accent, still there. 
Um, we had um, a little a hill in the back of our yard, and we thought it was huge. So we played this game called Bum Bum Bum. Okay, it was a little charade game, and people would stand. One team would stand at the top of the hill, and one team would stand at the bottom. And the team at the bottom would run up, and they'd do their charade, and then they would the team at the top would run down once they chased them and try to tag them, and you tried not to get tagged. Okay, so that's the Bum 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 hill. But here's the thing: we thought it was huge when we were little. So when we went back and, you know, as an adult and looked at our house, we were like, what happened? Th this earth shrunk or something? Like it couldn't have, we couldn't have had an earthquake or an earth slide because our house and the neighbor's house was still at the same point, but the hill was like just nothing. It was like a molehill, literally. And um, so we were all like, that, what happened? But it had to do with our perspective, right? Because we were little, the hill was huge. Okay, so the next hill in my life was the hill behind us. It was the, it was, um, the street behind us. And it was literally a big hill. It still is today. It was this mountain, basically. It was like a 45-degree angle. And so I was an avid bike rider when I was growing up. And um, I used to have massive legs. I know you wouldn't be able to tell that because my chicken legs right now, I'll just show those off. Here you go. But they used to be big, bigger than any one of my kids' leg muscles. And that's saying something. Actually, maybe not Morgan. She's a beast. But anyway. Um, so, but I would ride bikes for hours. And we lived in a very hilly neighborhood. And so what I wanted to do, my, my goal was to make it up the hill on the back, the street behind our house. That was the biggest hill in the neighborhood. And I thought I was going to be the baddest chick in the neighborhood because I can make it up the hill on my pink, huffy bike. <laughs> with a white banana seat. Remember those? Okay, the only thing that's missing here, you see that, you remember those little tassels, the streamers? Well, I'm the third child. So any of those babies know what that means. That means my sisters pulled out all the tassels. So I didn't have tassels on my, I had like a, a thread left. So I just pulled those things out. I don't need tassels anyway. So I was riding up the hill. So this is what happened is as I was riding, uh, trying to get up the hill, I would practice on all the other hills in the neighborhood and I would, you know, be standing up on the bike, riding my bike. And I was, I was awesome bike rider, you know, on my pink huffy bike. And so I came to, I thought, this now's the moment. I'm going to come to the big hill behind our house, and I'm going to ride straight up the hill. Didn't happen on my pink, huffy bike. I got there, and I'd be riding my bike, you know, and then you stand up, and you're doing this. And it was like all of a sudden I had to be like, okay, i got to get off the bike. And so then I'd walk my bike, you know, the walk of shame up the hill because I couldn't um, make it up the hill. Sorry, this is a little distracting up here. Sorry. Okay, so... Then I advanced to my 10-speed red bike. There you go. Okay, anybody had a 5-speed, 10-speed, 3-speed? I don't know what, why you need 6, 7, 8 speeds, but whatever. Um, so I would put it on 5-speed. I remember the first time riding up my hill, up, up my street. It wasn't really a hill. But, you know, like when you, you push harder on, you have bigger wheels, you gain more ground, you go faster. So you think, this is awesome. I'm flying. You know, I'm like just riding my bike. And so I thought, I will definitely make it up the hill on this red speed bike, the big hill, you know. So I go to the big hill, I'm ready to go, I get there and I finally realize I can make it all the way up the hill without the walk of shame if I zigzag up the hill, okay? So at first I'm zigzagging this way and then the stronger my leg muscles got, the more I got used to my bike, I started being able to go up a little bit more, gain more ground each zigzag. I finally made it to the top. I don't even remember if I ever made it straight shot on my bike, I'm gonna say I did because <laughs> I like to remember that way. <laughs> but the thing is, is that 
on those two hills, it was all about perspective. It was all about I had to develop muscles to get up the big hill. I had to develop things, and I could have never done it if I didn't have the pink Huffy bike at first, and I couldn't do it if I didn't have the five-speed, and I didn't have the right, you know, lever on the right speed, I, and the big wheel. I had to have techniques to get up the hill, right? Okay, it's the same way. Some, did a bug just land on my head? What kind of bug is this? I feel it. Ah! Okay. Oh, it's a stink bug. Okay. Hold. Oh, wait. I've got some right here. I was going to use this for my nose is running, but if, whatever. Do you know that the stink bugs are, should be called pine bugs because they're like, they smell like pine when you smash them. Like that. Oh. <laughs> I am sweating now. I was like, what kind of bug is this? Okay. Whew. All right. Is this being recorded? <laughs> There's no transition back into the message, so I'm just going to go for it. Okay, so some of us are facing mountains in our lives, whether they're small mountains, whether they're the bum-bum-bum hill, little molehill, or if it's really a big one, or whether it's an Everest. So let me show you a couple of pictures about Everest. I am speaking from no experience. I will never climb Everest. You will not pay me enough to climb Everest. I think people that climb Everest, there's something a little cuckoo about them because I'm going to tell you a little bit about it again not from experience. So when, when people climb Everest, it costs a lot of things. It costs a lot of money, tens of thousands of dollars to climb Everest. Who does that? I don't know. Okay. It costs a lot of physical training, like months, years even in advance, you have to start preparing. Okay. And it costs a lot of time. Do you know how much time it takes to climb Mount Everest? Two months. Two months to climb Mount Everest in what could be negative 100 degrees. Again, I think you all agree with me by your, that oh, they're a little cuckoo, whoever wants to try that. But here's the thing. You're going to learn a lot about climbers on Mount Everest today because they, they have to have certain seasons that they go in. They go in teams. They don't go by themselves. And we're going to talk about what we can learn from bum, bum, bum hills or the bike riding hill or if it's a Mount Everest in your life. And it could be like, like Monty was talking about in worship this morning. It could be financial struggles. It could be maritally, relationally, friendships, health-wise. It doesn't matter what mountain you're facing or what size it is. Here's your big idea for today is that God will use every single mountain you're facing, no matter what size, to get you prepared for the next mountain you're going to face. Because you're going to face another mountain. There's always going to be another mountain. You're always going to want to make it move. There's always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. I don't, I'm not going to sing right now because I can't. But it's the climb. Miley Cyrus knew what she was talking about back in the day. Maybe not so much now, but whatever. Hopefully this is not being recorded. Don't put, I don't want any hate mail. Okay. But anyway... So it is about the climb because God's doing something in you when you're climbing that mountain, okay? You're developing muscles. You're, we're going to talk about some things that you can embrace while you're on the climb and things you shouldn't be embracing while you're on the climb. And I, again, Ecclesiastes 3.5 says, embrace some things, let go of some things. Some things that you need to embrace is the discipline and the habits and the wisdom and the techniques that you're learning as you're climbing. I, there's not a bone in me that wants my, any of my children to marry somebody really wealthy right off the bat. 
I mean, I, my flesh sometimes does. But do you know you can really learn a lot when you financially struggle at the beginning of your marriage that sets the tone for the rest of your life? I want my kids to struggle a little bit, just a little. Um, I want them to learn the techniques that they need to know at the front when they're facing the bum, bum, bum hill so that when they face Mount Everest, they're like, okay, let's put the techniques into focus and into practice that we learned when we were on that little bitty hill. That's what, we ha that's what happens on the climb is that you're, you're learning and you're growing while, while you're doing it. There's some things that you shouldn't embrace while you're on the climb. And some of y'all need to let go of some friends and some toxic friendships and relationships that are saying, you're never going to make it up the hill. Look at that. You're about to die on that hill. Have you been around this hill? Enough? Let go of them. Get rid of them. It says to let go and not embrace. Don't embrace those kind of people. You need to find people around you that will encourage you on your climb and say, you know what? I don't care how many times you've been around this mountain. This is the time. This is the moment that you're going to go up all the way over the hill. You know, you need those kind of people in your life. Some friends, we, we had somebody tell us this, some friends are building material in your life. They're there. They're a good foundation. And then there are some friends that are scaffolding Scaffolding is, helps you build up at a certain season, and then the scaffolding is taken away. So if there's friends in your life that have left you, God clearly doesn't think that you need them in the next season of your life to help you. Okay? So don't hold on to things that are toxic. Let go of them. So I want <clears throat> to say this, that we, ha we all have the mountains that we're facing, like I said, small, medium, large. But, and I want to tell you what the Bible says. Most of us know what the Bible says about a mountain in front of us. Matthew 17, 20 says, if you have faith as small as a what? Mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be removed and it will be removed. And I loved that verse until the mountains didn't move. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. My gift is faith. Like, I, that's not a braggadocious statement. It's just God has given each one of us gifts. Mine is faith. I have faith that God can move. I know he could do it. I know he could poof, move it right out of the way. And how many times was I going, but Lord, I have the faith that that mountain is going to be removed. And lo and behold, there it was still standing, staring at me in the face. As my dad would say, big as life and twice as sassy. <laughs> that's the mountains. So I started going, okay, what a but, Lord, if you say that I, I just need small faith to move the mountain and you're not moving it, then I'm going to place my faith on something else to say, all right, Lord, then I have the faith that you're going to get me over that mountain and it's going to do something in me because I trust you. I trust that Romans 8:28 says that he will work everything for good for those that love the Lord. Amen. So if I have a mountain, he's not moving, that it needs to be in my life for a reason, that I'm going to get something out of it and that... Um, I, can, I can actually put my faith on the fact that I'm going to get over the hill, over the mountain, right? Okay, so in, there's, there's three things that we need in order to be get, getting over the hill and climbing up that mountain. And I'm going to tell you about those today. And that the first one is you have to embrace the season. Everybody say embrace the season. So there's only one climbing season to climb at Mount Everest, and it's in May. And, again, it takes two months. Stupid. <laughs> Has anybody in here climbed Mount Everest? Sorry. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, is that 
Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says there's a time and activity for every season under, under heaven. God works in season. He shows seasons. He shows us that in his word. He shows us that in nature. He talks about the plants, you know, and, and the animals and the harvest season and reaping and sowing. There's seasons for everything. Like with a, a seed, it actually has to break through. You know, when we see the plant, there's already a lot of stuff that's gone on before that. The seed has to break out of the hard covering, and then it shoots up out of the, sco- the soil. It's kind of breaking through, and then it's a plant. But there's a lot that's gone on before that. It's the same thing with um, birds that hatch. So my husband and I were in Alaska this summer, and it was, um, it was awesome. But my favorite thing about it was, of course, the nature, but the eagles. We got to see so many eagles. We learned a lot about eagles. And there was this one um, guy that was taking us on this tour on the, on the water. I don't remember what bay it was. But, um, and he showed us this massive nest way up in the trees. And he said, this nest has been here for about 20 years. So eagles mate for life, and then they keep the same nest. And, I mean, they're huge. They're like, it's not like we could sit in it comfortably, all of us. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that big. (laughs) But we could sit in it. It's a huge nest. And what happens is when the mother lays her eggs, she sits there, and one, either the mother or the father both sit there and wait for their little babies to hatch. They both do their part. That that wasn't to the men. That wasn't like a men do your part. (laughs) By the way, can we give it up for our men in black team? Excuse me, sorry. They're awesome. We are so thankful for our little, our, for our big men and black team. But um, so the what what happens is um, the seasons. Wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. On the seasons, we have to be able to embrace the season because it's a certain season that things happen. Okay, and there's a season that I'm in right now in my own life age. I'm going to be 50 next uh, this coming July, in about eight or nine months. Well, there's things, oh, thank you, honey. I was about to say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's like Jesus. Thank you, Natalia and Jesus for propel water. Okay. Um, so a, a season that I'm in is, it's called perimenopause. <laughs> That's a real fun season to embrace. So again, I was like, really, Lord? I have to go through that when I'm like, got to speak on it. But what's funny is, is I've noticed that, Perimenopause is actually about, there's a lot of things happening with your hair, okay? Like, you're losing it here, or it's thinning here, you're losing it here, you're gaining it here. <laughs> like, what the heck? Thankfully, I have really fine, thin hair. My husband likes to call me the hairless wonder. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, you can't even see my hair. But so thankfully, my one little chin hair... What's crazy is it could, two months, it could be, like, I have to look at it every day in the magnifying mirror to see it because it's so small. It's teeny tiny. And I, because it's fine and thin, I can't even feel it. Like, some people are like, oh, my gosh, I have whiskers. I can feel them, and I want to pick them because you can feel them. You can't even feel mine. So I have to look at it every day. Two months, it could be silent, lying dormant. <laughs> and then it busts through, and it's like an inch long. <laughs> Seriously? Hormones? Like, what in the world? But here's the deal. Because, I'm, because I was like, I got to believe what I'm preaching, I decided I am going to embrace my one chin hair. <laughs> because in the next season, I could have 10 chin hairs. <laughs> I am thankful for just my one fine, thin little chin hair. <laughs> Don't y'all all come up and look at me later on. You cannot see it, I promise. <laughs> but here's another th- season of life that many of you are in right now. How many of you have young children, 10 and under? Okay. 
you're in a season that I, thankfully I had some very wise friends when I was raising my kids. Four, I have four kids and seven and under was when they were all little. Now they're all old and adults. Thank the Lord. Um, I didn't kill any one of them. They all made it alive. They didn't kill me. <laughs> but so with seasons, I had some good friends that told me, enjoy every single season with your children. Because if you don't, if you wish it away during the, you know, crazy years, which I don't, I think we might be out of that. I don't know. <laughs> At 20 years old is my youngest. But if you enjoy every season, then you don't get to the next season and go, oh, man, I wish I could go back there. Or if you're wishing it away, you're like, oh, I just can't wait till they can do this. Embrace the season that you're in. Because then when somebody says, oh, honey, you're going to miss these days. When people say that to me, I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm enjoying them right now. I'm never going to miss these days. Now, you can look back fondly on that season, but I never missed those days because I enjoyed the moment that I was in. I embraced the season that I was in. But sometimes it's a struggle, you know, it is a struggle during those seasons. It's a struggle to embrace my one chin hair. It's a struggle to embrace, you know, kids pooping all over the house and, you know, smearing it on the walls. It's a true story of somebody that's, I won't mention names, but not my kids, just so anybody knows. Um, but the struggle is real. So then you have to embrace the struggle. That's your number two point. Embrace the struggle. Everybody say, I'm going to embrace the struggle. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. So like I said, like I mentioned, God shows us that there's struggle in things that he created. He created them perfectly, but there's struggle for them to come out, like the seedling, like the eagle's nest, like the, e let me tell you about the eagles um, when they're hatching. It's um, they're, they're hatching, and they actually have a, a little beak tooth that they have to be strong enough to crack through the egg, okay? The mother doesn't come in and help them and crack the egg open because she knows that if she helps them and she gets the egg open for them, they will not be able to handle life because they haven't endured and embraced the struggle to get out of the shell, okay? And then what happens is she... Um, she has this, like all these feathers and all this cushy, comfy, big nest. You know, again, it's like a living room, big nest. And she makes it comfortable for them so that when they hatch and they're able to get out of their shell, they're there and they're enjoying their little nest, cushy, cushy comfy nest. But the mama knows that when it's time for them to start flying, what she starts doing is she starts taking out the feathers. She starts taking out the cushy, comfy part. And she starts disrupting the nest with her claws. She gets it so that there's twigs poking up in their little behinds so that they get ready to fly. They're like, she doesn't want them in the nest because she knows what they're capable of. She know, God knows what we're capable of. So he gives us, he disrupts, disrupts our nest. And sometimes it's like, how many twigs are poking in my little behind? I don't want, I want to stay right here for a little bit more longer, you know, a little longer. But God knows what we're capable of. He knows, and he's trying to get us to jump out of that nest and trust him in the process. The other thing too is like a butterfly. You know, you've probably heard the story about the butterfly coming out of a cocoon. And the, again, a season. The caterpillar goes into a cocoon for a season. Not forever, ladies, all you introverts. Not forever. <laughs> oh, zing. Okay. Um, but the cocoon actually has a purpose for it, for that little caterpillar to turn into a butterfly. But then when the butterfly is ready to come out, 
it makes a little hole. Again, it has to be fully developed to make that little hole out, hole out of the cocoon. And you've probably heard the story where there was a man that saw a butterfly trying to come out. So he helped it. He helped the cocoon open it a little bit so that the butterfly could easily get out. Well, what happened was that that butterfly never could fly. Because when the butterfly is coming out of the cocoon, the struggle or the pressure is what pushes all the bodily fluid into its small little wings so it can fly. Same with us. Those struggles, the mountains that we're facing, the pressure that we're feeling is pushing all the fluid out of our body, not really, but into our little wings so that we can fly. It's plight or flight. You can look at it like that, or you can look at it as plight for flight. It's all in your perspective. If you embrace it, it will be your plight for your flight. Because, again, God works everything for your good. Everything for your good. He will use every struggle you face, every mountain you face, and he's developing you in the process. I know when I'm facing struggles that I I know that to be true, that he's doing something in me. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm sure it's good, God, and I'm going to embrace the struggle. You know, I'm white knuckling embracing the struggle. But I have the faith to believe that he will work everything for my good. It's the same in physical training. So how many of you go to the gym? Okay. I do not go to the gym, but I know a lot about the gym because all my family goes and they tell me all these things. And my husband tried to train me on all the muscle groups and what you have to do in order to build your muscles and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Just kidding, babe. Just kidding. Just kidding. So, but I do know a lot about it. So when you go to the gym, if anybody is trying to build muscle, what happens is you know that you're going to have to be sore in order for your muscles to grow. What happens is, babe, you're going to love this. I know this all. He always tries to tell me, and I'm like, I can finish your sentences. I know this. I learned it 20 years ago when you tried to teach me then. (laughs) But what happens is your muscles have to actually tear, and then when they mend, that's when they get bigger. Right, babe? Okay, thank you. (laughs) So so when people go into the gym, they're expecting to be sore. Now, you've heard me probably say this if you've been here for any length of time, but I don't allow complaining in my house, and I have all gym rats, and so they'll be coming up the stairs, And I'm like, ah, 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 you did it to yourself. Don't even talk about it. Close it. But they know that it's good for them, so I always go, it's good for you. Stop complaining. Stop your whining. (laughs) And here they are like, you don't even go to the gym. Why are you telling me this stuff? (laughs) I don't. I have chicken legs. But the Bible actually says about this. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical training is good. It is good for you to physically train. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Keep in mind that it says, and the life to come, because we're going to go there. That's your vision. That's your eternal perspective. Because the things that you're going through right now on earth, they're going to either come back to bite you or to bless you when you get to heaven. Okay? So if you're one of those people that are always like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sore, and oh, I mean, this struggle I'm facing is just awful, isn't it? Like, when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, ooh, I should have maybe not said so much complaining, you know? Because it's all going to come together when we get to heaven, when we see him. Because he's using what we're going through now for eternal perspective. You have to keep in mind that. I read this story about a blind climber, and she said this. She said, uh, basically, anybody, not just a blind person, but anybody when they climb a mountain, the first time, 50% of it is failure. 
Okay, so that's not a good sign on Everest because <laughs> failure means death on Everest. But a blind climber was saying 50% of the time you fail. And she said this, but you have to let failure be your teacher and through it all maintain your vision because it will guide you like an internal compass. Okay, a blind lady is talking about vision. I've heard my son say this. I'm going to give him credit. I don't know if he stole it from somebody else. But he said that sight is what you can see with your eyes open. Vision is what you can see with your eyes closed. So your vision, your eternal perspective is what's going to take you and keep you focused on climbing up this mountain, embracing the season, embracing the struggle because you have vision for your life. Your vision for your life might just be, I'm a winner. I'm an overcomer. I can face a mountain. I can get up the mountain. I can, you know, it doesn't matter how many mountains we face or how many valleys because there ain't no mountain high enough. Come on, sing with me. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, God. I'm rewriting my own songs up here. But it's true. Like, I am not going to think that there is not a mountain that I can't face because I have God at my back. He works everything for my good. And if I truly believe that, that might be a verse that you need to write down, put it on your mirror, every, put it in your car, is just to know God has my back. He's going to work everything for my good, no matter what mountain I'm facing, no matter if I fall off the mountain and I have to go around it again, if I have to zigzag up this mountain like this, or if I can go a little bit high, it doesn't matter. He is going to work it all for your good. I want you to say, he is working all for my good. So here's the thing. When, we, when Derek and I were on sabbatical this summer, we were um, half, about halfway through, and all of a sudden, our whole family came under attack. Okay, I, I call it attack. You could say tested or attack. Some of it was attack. Some of it was just testing. And it was literally all in one day that I found all these things out. And I was like, holy mackerel. Okay, Lord, what is going on here? And I'm like, I'm supposed to be relaxing on a sabbatical, you know, and not thinking of anything. And I was like, I can't take a sabbatical for my kids. You, you can't, okay? I learned that this summer. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to jump in and try to control everything and try to, okay, I got to fix this, I got to fix this? And there was no way of doing it all. So I was like, you know what, Lord? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to get some things done in the supernatural that I cannot get done in the natural. And I'm going to tell you how to do that today. This is one of the most powerful tools that God has given us in this life, and that is prayer and fasting. Okay, and it's something that we, we do as a church. A couple times a year, we do it in January. And if you, I'm not going to take the time to teach you about fasting, but I'm going to teach you about what it does. I'm going to trust that you are going to learn about fasting yourself, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. If you want to get the book, Jensen Franklin's book called Fasting. Easy to remember, okay? Jensen Franklin's book, Fasting. Don't get the second one. Read the first one first. You'll look at the copyright and figure out which one that is. Fasting, okay? But here's the thing, is that when you, I'm, I'm going to take about two minutes to explain a really massive topic about the heavens, okay? And again, you can, um, I'll, I'll reference it for you so that you can do some digging on your own. But I want to explain the, about the heavens. There's three heavens, okay? There's two, two heavens that are um, talked about in the Bible and they're referenced. Re Revelation 12 um, is where it's at, okay? So read that on your own, on your own time. But here's the thing. So the first earth, sorry, the first heaven is here on earth. 
the Lord created this earth as a, the first heaven. And humans is what we jacked it up, you know. But God's going to redeem that later on. Again, you'll have to read the rest of Revelation to find out how he redeems that. That's not part of the story here. So first earth, first heaven is right here on earth. The third heaven that's referenced is where God is, okay? And then the, if you have a first heaven and a third heaven, you have to have a second heaven. Now, the second heaven is where this battle is going on in the supernatural. This is where the angels and the fallen angels or the bad angels or demons you believe in demons? Yes, they're just bad angels. We don't have to be afraid of them. They are real. But there's a whole battle going on in the second heaven. And when Daniel was fasting, what he, it says in the word that when he, the first day that he prayed, his prayer was heard. God hears our prayer the very first day. But then it said it took 21 days for the answer to get through the battle in the, in the supernatural realm to get to Daniel. How many times do we give up at day 10, at day 13, at day 20? We give up. But it might take 21 days to get your answer because you're, you're actually engaging and you're giving the angels permission and a charge to fight your battle for you in the supernatural realm so that I can get my answer. Do you know, so halfway on sabbatical was back in August, the middle of August. And here's the other thing that I'm going to tell you. Hold on one second, because <clears throat> this is good. Everybody say this is good so I can drink the water. Mm. Thank you, I feel your sincerity. <laughs> so when the Bible also says in Matthew 17, 20, um, it says that you're, let me just find out my notes. Um, it says that, hold on, let's see, where is my... It says that you should basically not, where is it? Okay, I'm, I'll tell you what it says. It says that you should not um, brag, basically, about fasting and make yourself look poor and disheveled like you're all like, ugh, you know, So because that's what the hypocrites and the Pharisees do. They want people to know I'm fasting. I'm going to tell you that I was fasting, and I don't want you to admire me. I might lose a few jewels in my crown for telling you, but I don't care. It is, I'm willing to lose a few jewels as long as you get this concept, because this is so important, okay? So I was fast, and, I'm, and I was fasting sweets. It's not, like me fasting sweets is like my husband fasting protein, okay? <laughs> it's a lifeblood for me. No, I'm just kidding. But it's a big deal for me, okay? So back in August, middle of August, so that's almost three months now, I've been fasting sweets because I'm waiting for some answers. And I, by golly, am going to get them. Okay? I want you to grasp the concept of when you face something, don't just sit there and like embracing the struggle is not sitting here in your comfy little nest and going, okay, I'm climbing. I'm cli I know you have my best interest. Do something about it. Come on. You can get things done in the supernatural that you cannot get done in the natural. And it's all about praying and fasting, not just praying. If you want to add some oomph to your prayers, fast. So I was fasting sweets, and here's what was happening. It was like the, the, I, I found out all this stuff in one day, and then the very next day I started fasting. And then the very next day after that, it was like I got an answer for something. And as soon as I got that answer, something else popped up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, back to fasting. I'm going to fast all, you know, fasting 21 days, whatever. And here we are three months later, and I'm still fasting. But I've celebrated along the way with an imminent blizzard because that is how God answers my prayers. <laughs> but truly, 
I, every now and then, I would, once I got an answer, I was like, I'm celebrating. I'm going to have a sweet, okay? And in the middle of eating my imminent blizzard just a few weeks ago, I'm sitting there like, thank you, Jesus, for this answer to prayer. I love it. This Lord, I was just giving him praise and thanks. I get another phone call right in the middle. And I was like, yes, honey. It's one of my daughters. She's just crying. And I was like, well, I'm going to finish this dadgum blizzard. <laughs> Because I'm celebrating that answer, but back to fasting sweets tomorrow, okay? Because I know that I can't do some things about it when my children are older, number one, or when it's somebody else's actions that are causing us stress, or when it's somebody else's, uh, whether, it's, whether it's God causing things, allowing things, whether it's the devil causing it, stirring up, whether it's somebody else, it doesn't matter. You can get things done in the supernatural realm that you cannot get done by just praying. You have to pray and fast. So you can fast a whole bunch of different things. You can fast social media. Some of you need to. You can fast TV, but what you're doing is when you're fasting, you're not just depriving yourself, you're actually filling your spirit with it. So I'm a principal in the school at Metro West Christian Academy, and woohoo! And do you know how many kids have had birthdays and bring cupcakes in in September and October? We have a lot of birthdays, like 27. Just kidding, I didn't count, but there's a lot of them, right, Mrs. Montepeque? Holy moly. And every time, the students always come around and they ask, you know, for the leftover cupcakes, Mrs. Fry, would you like one? So um, when the kid, I'm going to tell you all a little trick. Don't tell anybody. But when the kids come and ask me, I'm going to say, oh, thank you so much. Yes, happy birthday. Give me hugs, you know. And then they walk out, and I'm like, i got to throw this away because I'm going to eat it. <clears throat> but if a teacher comes to ask me, because, again, I've taught my teachers pray and fast, so they know I'm fasting sweets. They'll say, hey, do you want? And I'm like, ah, ah, get it out of my sight. Thank you, Jesus. You see my sacrifice. You know you're, I'm answering. You're answering my prayers right now. <laughs> Seriously. And let me just tell you, I am going to get the answers that I am believing for because I have faith to believe it. I have the trust to believe that God is helping me, and he's building my muscles, whatever we're facing, no matter what mountain I'm climbing, he is helping me get over that mountain. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> and this is how you embrace the struggle. You don't just sit there and go, okay, bring it on. No, you're like, bring it on. It's all about the attitude, right? Everybody say, bring it on. Be ready, though, because if you say that and you mean it, you're going to get tested. But you need to embrace. You need to pray and fast. You need to get things done in the heavenlies. So the last part is if you, are, um, if you have embraced the season, you've enjoyed each season that you're in, you're embracing the struggle, then you can embrace your story. And I know in my life there were times where I thought, this is not the story that I want. This is not how I was going to write my own little story. I had a beautiful picture of what my story was going to be like. Um, I know this is a little bit out of order, but can you go ahead and show that James 1 picture? So our plan, my plan was the top one. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought, you know what, that, I'm just going to sail through life. But nope. That's not God's plan. God's plan is you're going through a valley, you got to climb up the mountain, you can have a little bitty plateau, but then you got to go over, and then you got to go over a bridge, and then you got to go underwater, and then you got to, you got, that's how God looks at our life. Because it says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. That's supposed to be trials, not trails. And that's not our team. That was, I just picked that off the internet, just so you know, just saw that. Again, grammar teacher. 
various trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance so that you may be lacking in nothing. How many of you want to lack nothing? Just six of you? Good. (laughs) How many of you want to lack nothing? Okay. Then embrace your story. God, when you embrace your story, God can use it for somebody else's benefit. And I know, here's the thing, I know that when I was going through my own crazy struggles, like three years of just random craziness, I know that the Lord, I kept saying to the Lord, Lord, I know that you're here with me, but can you do something about this? (laughs) I know you can, and stop playing, you know, we call it Brer Rabbit, basically saying nothing, being silent. But I kept, and I would hear him say, I'm going to use it to help other people. And that's such a great Christianese thing to say. But in the middle of your trial, I was like, I don't give a rat's rear end about other people. I want you to help me, and I want you to help me now. Right? I mean, I'm being real. I don't really care. I didn't care that I could help all of you six years ago when I was going through struggles. I didn't care because I was like, you know what? But I kept going, okay, Lord, I'm sure I'm going to appreciate it then. But right now, I just really want some help. I I, I needed to know that God was going to help me and that he can make my story beautiful, even though if it's, if it's not a story that I wanted for my own life. But think about it. In, your, in the Bible, who would, Goliath, who would David be without his Goliath? Who would Noah be without a flood? Who would Ruth be without the death of her husband? Who would Joseph be without the betrayal of his brothers? Where would these people be? Who would Esther be without her whole race being persecuted? Where would the woman caught in the act of adultery be without the act of adultery? That's part of your story. You've got to use it. You've got to embrace it so that God can make it beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3.11, can you put that verse up there? It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. I want you to say, has made. made. It doesn't say he will make. It doesn't say he is making. It says he has made. He has made it beautiful. He's made your story beautiful. You just have to get to the top of your mountain. And it might not be till the moment we reach heaven and we're standing there and you're going to be like, yes, I made it. Finally, you know. But he will make your story. He has made your story beautiful all along the way. We just have to embrace our story and help people. Rebecca Gregory is a 28-year-old woman from Houston who lost her leg in in the 2013 marathon bombing. And I read a story about her, and she said, did I want my leg to be blown off by a terrorist bomb? No, but it has put me on a platform where I have been able to help so many people. She embraced her story. She wasn't embarrassed of her story. She embraced it. She wasn't the victim of her story. She was the victor. And that's what you can be. It's all in perspective if you're willing to embrace it you got to embrace the trials, the valleys, the hills, the mountains, the molehills, the Everests. You've got to embrace it all. And when we do that, he makes our story. He's already made our story beautiful. It's funny because it's like he, I was going to say, he's like the mama eagle. He's a lot better than the mama eagle. But he knows what we're capable of. He knows you're capable of overcoming the struggles in your life. But you can't do it alone. You need a team. Nobody makes it to the top of Mount Everest by themselves. Can you show the picture of the death zone? So this is called, oddly enough, it's called the death zone. 
in on Mount Everest. And so that right there, again, cuckoo people all lined up there. But you can see the top, the peak. That's called the death zone. That's where most people die. If I saw a big sign that said death zone ahead, I'd be like, ah, see you later. You know, I'm not going to the death zone. There's a reason it's named that apparently. But it's, we're in a season of struggle throughout the world, not just here in our church, not just locally, not just our family. A lot of people are facing mountains. But here's the thing. We as Christians need to know that sometimes we're in the death zone. We're ready to give up. We're ready to turn around and say, I can't make it. I, you know, I'm going to change course and direction so I don't have to face that. But you're in the death zone. It just means that the peak is right there. It means life is right around the corner. Just keep moving forward. Just keep taking baby steps. Keep zigzagging. Keep your techniques. Keep your friends around you that will encourage you. I think some of us are at the death zone in our lives right now even. You're facing some struggles and you feel like, I can't make it. I, I, I need to just stop here. What happens in the death zone is that it's, you're, you're um, losing oxygen. It's basically, the, they said, it's, um, if you ever saw the movie, it's, they say it's, um, it's at the cruising altitude of a 747. A human body's not supposed to experience that unless you're in a plane, not just out there in the elements. But you start losing your oxygen. You start hallucinating. Um, people start taking off their clothes because they think they're hot, negative 100 degrees. They fall you know what that means. You know, I mean, it's, that's why it's called the death zone. But if you have your friends there with you, you need the friends that will be like, come on, we can make it. Let's go. Let's go. Nobody makes it alone. Don't go it alone. And oftentimes in our lives, God shows us the mountaintop, but he doesn't show us the path to get there. Or he might show you the path to get there and doesn't show you the mountaintop. I don't know which one is better, but either way, you have to trust God, right? And he will make everything beautiful. He will make that climb beautiful. He will make even the death zone beautiful when you look back at it. He has made everything in your life beautiful. We just have to get there. We, don't, we can't give up. I want you to stand to your feet this morning because I want to pray for two different types of people. Some of you that have been, you feel like you're in the death zone, and I'm going to get to you secondly. But first, I think there's some people here that you've never even asked Jesus to help you in, in just your, you know, you could be on a plateau and you could think my life is okay. And you might think I, I haven't asked Jesus to be that Lord and Savior in my life that I need him to be. And I want to give you that opportunity. There, I, I would never want somebody to walk in our doors and feel like they have not been able to have a chance to know the Savior that I know, the Savior that so many of us know. Because he can help you in your valleys, in your, on your hills, on your bum-bum-bum hills, on your Mount Everest hills. He can help you. So I would like for you to just close your eyes and bow your heads, everyone. I want to give you opportunity to just have a private moment for these people. And I'm not going to embarrass you, just so anybody knows. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you have never given your life to Christ and you want to today. I want you to just raise your hand, shoot it up high. Thank you. I see your hand. That is awesome. It is the best decision, best decision you will ever make. I see your hand, hon. That is awesome. Anybody else? I see your hand there in front. I thank you. Thank you. I see your hand there. That is awesome. Best decision you will ever make because you know why? Your eternity is being sealed. You will, it doesn't mean you have to pay for your sins anymore. Your sins will be paid for because you are asking Jesus into your heart. 
and asking him to be the Lord of your life. And because we're a family, we're all gonna pray together, but I want you to pray this prayer out loud. It is not the prayer that saves you. It is not your hand being raised that, pray, that, that saves you, sorry. It is the belief in your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So I, I want everybody to say this prayer. Dear Lord, I'm so thankful that I don't have to pay for my sins, that you did it for me, and I will take that blessing and live the rest of my life knowing that you have my back, that you work everything for my good. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that you died on the cross. You are raised again, and, are you, and you are living victoriously and you will help me live victoriously in Jesus' name. Can everybody give it up for those four ladies who are now sisters? Awesome. So awesome. Awesome. It just means that now we're all sisters. We're, part of, we're a family now. Welcome to the family of believers, not just family of connect. It doesn't mean you have to come to this church. It means you're the family of believers. And we want, we want to help you on your next step. So if you have questions, ask one of your friends that brought you or ask, come and find me or any of our, my dream team. But, and we're going to have prayer at the end of the next service. So you can come up and we'll be up here at the front too. But I just want you to, I, I just want you to know that is the best thing that you could do, best decision you can ever make. So thank you for doing that. And welcome to the family. Last thing I want to pray for all of us. Uh, raise your hand. This is, I'm going to keep your eyes open because I, I want to see. How many of you are going through a struggle or a little mountain? Could be a little mountain, could be a big one. Uh-huh. All of us. It's what I figured. <laughs> so I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to put your faith and say, I don't care if this mountain is not moved. I know I'm going to make it over the mountain. All right. So close your eyes, bow your heads. Thank you, Jesus, Father, for your word today that encourages us. Thank you for giving us the tool of prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts to be able to know that you have our best interest at heart. You will work everything for our good, that you are working things out even now, that we are dispatching angels in Jesus' name to work on every single situation, that you're helping us develop our muscles, that we're climbing up that hill, we're standing up on that bike. We are making it up the mountain in Jesus' name. We are thankful. Thank you, thank you, Lord, that we are going to embrace the climb. We're going to embrace every season. We're going to embrace the struggle so that you can make and have made our story beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, for working in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a big amen. amen. Give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for the saved lives.